0: All right, Bogatov, everybody. Today's DOP is Memdalat 44. We pick up on the bottom third of Mem Gimel Bet. We're in the middle of discussions about Kofar. We just had a nice, lovely, long discussion about whether there is Kofar or Shloshim Shal-Eved paid when there is no skila of the ox. Uh, we said that, somewhat ironically, um, there's more of a weight to say that the uh, Shloshim Shal-Eved is linked to the Kofar. We've seen more uh, variations of opinions around the... Um, is linked to the skila to the stoning of the ox we've seen a more variety of opinions around whether the kofir is linked to the stoning of the ox um, and we also saw a very important discussion about when there is no kofir or no chileved, will there be a fallback payment of actual tashlumin for the life of a human being which you don't have when a person kills a person but do you have it when an ox kills a person and then we might even ask do you have it when a fire kills a person is there an idea of compensation for a life okay now we pick up at the bottom third of them Gimel Amitbeth Kiyosah Kiyosah Revdimi Amar Reb Yochanan line starts with the word Amar Yochanan it's about I don't know where it is it's about 15 lines from the bottom right by the Bach Kiyosah Revdimi Amar Reb Yochanan Kofar Mat Kofir the word says Kofar. it could have said Kofar. it says In Kofir Matabalami if a Kofar is placed on him what there's an option you should kill the guy obviously you always do a Kofar. so what's the In Kofir to go against the positions that we said yes Yesterday, um, this is saying to tell you that there will even be a kofar when the ox scores unintentionally. You try to kill an animal and kill the human being. You're not going to stone the ox. Nevertheless, you're still going to pay a kofar. Kofar gets paid without the stoning of the ox. So if that's true, eved nami. So let's get to this question about the shloshim of the eved and the stoning. Maybe that also should also get paid without stoning the ox. Right? These are the two things we looked at yesterday. Let it, let's just say eved yigachashur. Why did it say im? Im also seems to be an extra word. So why don't we say the same thing? That you'll pay even if it goes the slave unintentionally. So the same way you've decoupled kofir from the stunning, stoning of the ox because, because of this extra word im. Let's decouple the, 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 the thirty shekel of the eved from the stoning of the ox and say that you'll pay the thirty shekel even when you don't st- stone the ox. So the gemara says. Tema. And if you're going to say hachinami, why not? Okay, so pay the shloshim shalavet without stoning the ox. But Rish says you don't say that. Rish Lakhi says that you don't pay the thirty shekels. You don't stay stoned, if you if you don't stone the ox. So I'm a lay. He so said back to him. Gavra, gavra karamis. Okay, what are you doing? You're asking one person against another person? Fine! Okay, Mishrakish disagrees, and I presumably would say, you pay Kofar without stoning the ox, and you pay Shemoshim Mishra without stoning the ox, challenging everything we said yesterday. Kiyasa Ravin, that was when Rav Dimi came. Kiyasa Ravin, and when Ravim Rav came, on Yochanan, he said in the name of Yochanan, something, he didn't say it about Kofar, he said about the 30 of the Eved. Eved, Matam Lomer Im Eved, so he said explicitly that Rav Yochanan would decouple both of them. That you pay the thirty shekel, even if the you don't stone the ox, even if the ox scores shlobeh kavana. Okay, so okay, who cares? Not cares. Whatever. But so Shnaki says agrees. Reb says you don't pay the you don't pay you know the kofar with the kofar isn't linked and the shlohim shlovet isn't linked. Okay, so Gemara says the And now the, finally the Gemara is going to explore sort of, you know, the, rela- the whether these two go together. If Reich Lakish's statement was only about the Shloshim eved, So if he's not, if the X word Im by the word Im Eved doesn't tell him to decouple, so maybe he would also say, should we assume for Reish if the Shloshim eved is coupled with the stoning of the ox, the Kofar is coupled with the stoning of the ox. If you don't Darshan the Im in one case, you won't Darshan it in the other case. Eved Im Eved, Lodarish, Im darish, Only low no, don't necessarily have to say that those two go together. Eved, Im Eved, the extra Im by Eved, he does not learn to decouple the two. Kofir, Im Kofir, Darish, but the extra Im by Kofir, he does He does say that that decouples. So, as opposed to yesterday where we said both Kofir and the Shloshim were linked to the stoning of the ox, here we're saying that according to the Yochanan, neither of them is linked, you'll always pay it separately, and according to the maybe the Shloshim shall ever is linked, but the Kofar there is not linked. What's the difference? Umeishna Evan Evid low uh Umashna and why are they different? Ever em evid low cost of Mokum Tosh Lumim. But it says what's it? Im evad. oh we erase it. Im evad had Yigahashur Oama so when it talks about the payment it doesn't have the word im the word im isn't telling you something about the payment the word im is just setting up the scenario im so we're not going to use that word im to tell you oh the payment comes separate from the stoning okay so it's it just just uh, in terms of the hermeneutics in terms of the text um, uh, it says im kofer that's talking about paying the kofer so if you have an extra word in the place where talking about the payment. That's coming to tell you something about the payment. That's coming to tell you to decouple the two. Okay, so we have now three positions. We have that they. What the Gemara was saying yesterday that you that they're both. It's true that the coupling is true about both of them. Kofa will only be with the stoning, and Shloshim Shalavid will only be with the stoning. We have the position of Yochanan that neither of them are linked. You can pay Kofa without stoning. You can pay Shloshim without stoning. Kofar without stoning is certainly a dominant position that we've seen. And then you have the Gemara clarifying where well, logic should to be a position Kofar you'll pay without stoning which has been a very common position but the Shloshim that's always tightly linked with the stoning and that actually is it works well with the Pesach because the Pesach puts it very tight it says so the only thing that's linked is the Shloshim Shelevet as we pointed out it's a little bit ironic right because you would think the Shloshim Shelevet is more about payment of compensation so who really cares if the ox is high of Kofar Whereas stoning is about more of an act of murder by the ox, and there you would think it's more linked. So it's a little, it's its definitely ironic, this position, that the Kofar isn't linked and the Shloshim is. Yes. I'm just
1: trying to understand what the Gemara really thinks about Kofar. Is like the Kaparra or is it about that. Why? Because didn't it first say, like, uh, when asked according to, I forget what it was, like where we smiled, oh, he holds that it's a uh, kapara, Yeah, whereas everyone... Yeah, but, the
0: Gemara has it as an open question, but it very much comes down on the side of kapara, very consistently. We had all the questions about chazi shalom all those things. Do not raise it as a question, but very dominant, predominantly comes down on the side of kapara. And it's
1: clear that there's never there's
0: never for an edit. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's uh, whatever. That's troubling. It's troubling but that never is, com- is completely reduced to its monetary value. Okay. Now we get to the next part of the plasuk, right? All right. And we pointed out earlier, right? The question who needs to say that? Right? You basically said you gore a person this is what you do what you think that the life of a, of a child is less worthy of uh, the halachas of kofar or stoning the ox so we pointed out that you know the, that the historians point out that it could be a response to other law codes in the Middle East which basically said that if your ox scores and kills the child of another person then your child is killed so the whole point of the Torah is to tell you you don't kill the owner you don't kill his kids you basically stone the ox and you pay kofar if it's, if it's habitual But let's see what the Gemara does with this to tell me that you are just as liable for goring minors as for goring adults that's obvious if a person kills a person, that's murder. If an ax kills a person, then we have these things, stoning and paying Adam. When a person kills a person, it doesn't matter if you kill an adult or you kill a child, it's still murder. Similarly, when an ax scores a person. Obviously, it should be treated the same, not make a distinction. It's not only a logical comparison, it's a kavach. It's when, when you talk about a human doing an act of murder, if the if the minor is the perpetrator is the murderer, he's not prosecuted. So there's a way when we're talking about murder that minors are excluded from being the perpetrator. Okay, but so even though they're excluded from being the murderer, they're not they're not prosecuted. But you're liable when they are the murder victim. So sure, the Adam when an ox? Or as a person? Does it matter if the ox is a, is a young ox, a teenage ox, or an adult ox? No. So by the ox, it doesn't matter whether the murdering ox is an adult or a minor. So certainly it shouldn't matter if the murder victim is an adult or a minor. Okay, so it's all logical. Why did you need the Pasuk? So Gemara says, no, no, not necessarily. I could have had a reason to make, make this a difference. Maybe will be more weighty by a human committing murder and say that you're chayiv, even if the murder victim is a minor. Shekheim chayivarba dvarim, because we know that humans doing acts against other humans has weightier halachot. Right? When it's an act of injury, of personal injury, you pay these extra four payments. right? So that whole category is a more weighty category. So toma, b'shur, sure, she'enu dvarim. So an ox, where there'll never be these additional payments, maybe the child would treat the, when an ox kills a child, maybe it would treat it differently. Therefore, you need this extra pasuk to tell me that it's just just as much when it grows an adult as as he grows a child. Reverend, yes.
1: What's the difference technically between dinu and Kal
0: so sometimes din does mean Kavachomer, but din more means it's like you can you it's it's logical. You could just you you know you could logically uh, you you should know this by pure logic. Yeah, Ka- be very similar. yeah but it's not a Kavachomer. is uh, an analogy. It's not a Kavachomer. Okay, good. okay, yeah. all right. So the goes like this. Um... Okay, so that's why you need the ben Yigach, because since humans against humans is a more weighty category, maybe I could not have learned out that we treat the, the goring and the killing of a, of a child the same way of a killing of an adult. Um, okay, the alien of muad. Now that's only by a muad, because remember, we said you know, the end of the puzzle called ben y'gach the whole end there about the shloshim of the eved was talking about a muad, right? And therefore, presumably the goring of the kids is talking about a muad, that you stone the ox and you the, and you pay the Kofar. So maybe that's all, only by a muad. Maybe by a tam you wouldn't stone the ox. Maybe those halachas are only by a muad. I don't really how do I know to apply it by a tam that at least you still stone the ox? Tamad Lomar, the verse, I'm sorry, Dinu. It's logical. How will the to pay the Kofar right
1: now.
0: No, no, no. You don't pay the Kofar. It's not, it's killing a, a a child is no different than uh, than an adult. No, I mean man, there's man, no man, weightier. Mood you would do the kofra and the stoning. I know, it's like a shift. But like I know the same Allah has apply muad of an adult and more of a child. How do I know the same Allah has apply Tom of an adult and Tom of a child? Okay? El Mu'adim, the time you Dinu. So you could learn it out. of the Isha the Isha Isha. Remember it says Uh, kiga, uh, kiga, uh, what is it? Uh, kiga sure et ish o et ishava mate. Okay? So since it treats... The goring of a man and of a woman, similarly. The whole point is to say it doesn't matter man or woman, and that's up there by the time right? So the comparison of Isha and Isha, don't make a distinction between man and woman, is up there by a Tom. So the same way here it's telling you don't make a distinction, adult or child, that should also be true by a Tom as well. Okay? The same way when the Torah went out of its way, don't treat different a man and a woman. was, it was way at the beginning of that whole parsha to say, and that's true whether it's a tam or a muad. Okay, so similarly here, when the Torah goes out of its way to say it's the same halacha, like right? I mean, it's actually explicitly saying same halacha. So if it's making point, it's same halacha by a child, you should assume same halacha by a tam and same halacha by an adult by, by a muad. The same way, man and woman, same halacha by a tam, same halacha by an adult. Okay, the old, What's the kavuchomer? This will be interesting. What's the kavuchomer? shkein lochalakta tam We're going to go get again and look at the question of being the 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 perpetrator rather than the victim. By a man and a woman, they are both fully liable if they cause damage. Okay, and therefore there is no, and no distinction when they are the victims. Okay, um, so they they have a they have a disadvantaged sort of uh, treatment in the world of damages because they're actually liable for their damages okay that's a man and a woman Uh, children that have a privileged position in the world of damages why do children have a privileged position they never have to pay for what they do they're not yet bar chiyuvah okay your kid goes ahead and breaks something under bar bat mitzvah the kid doesn't pay because he's not bar bat mitzvah and you don't pay because it's not mama namazik Okay, that's so pretty interesting, right? You could say you're you're negligent, you're whatever. Yeah, but that's the whole khidish of this pubakama. Is it just because I was sort of negligent and indirectly caused and could have prevented, I, that's not enough. If I don't directly break it, or my property or my fire doesn't destroy it, or you don't fall into my pit, then I don't pay. So my kids aren't my property. We even said before, even when my slave breaks something, and my slave is my property, I don't pay for it. Because it was the act of a, another, like, you know... Uh, um, free agent. Okay? So that's actually quite interesting. According to Halacha, you are not liable if your kids go and uh, break somebody else's property. Okay? Now, once they become bar and bat mitzvah, they're liable. And there's actually a later gemara that we're going to see that when, uh, based on a Rashi and whatever, the Rashi is then discussed in later in later Rishonim, that it could be that when the kid breaks something, he or she is liable when they become adults. Maybe not liable in the court, but at least has some type of a moral liability when they become adults. But interestingly, to pay for that damage once
1: they become an adult. Yeah. Because when they were
0: a kid? Yeah. Yeah. At least a moral liability. But interestingly, the parents are not liable. Now, somebody showed me yesterday that the story in the name of the uh, that was in the name of the Chazon where it said the case was that a kid uh, threw a stone into a window and uh, his mother was with him in the street and broke the window and they uh, took this case to a rabbi and the rabbi said, well, you know, the parents are liable. Somebody said, what do you mean parents are liable? It says, you know, that uh, you know that the kids are plutzer when they do damage. So they took it to the the chazenich. and the Chazanich said, well, the kids are putter if the parents aren't around, but if the parents are around, then the parents are chayef. Now, like, this story did not give any logical explanation, and, you know, pre- I, so, I, so he said, what's this based on? So I said, to me, presumably, what it's based on is some assumption of, like, this halacha, which we're going to see later, of Dina de Garmi, which is, like, even though indirect causation, you're putzer for him." the rabbis created a certain subset of that, which is, you have a high degree of the, of, the causation is it's not, it's not a direct act, but it's not totally indirect. And you have a high degree of responsibility. So some subset of grumma they actually did make you pay for. So it seems like the Chazanish was understanding, if you were there and your kid was under your watch and you could have stopped him, then it's like you did it indirectly. But if you're, of course you could say you're more, reli- you're more negligent when you let your kids run around wild and you're not there. But anyway, but this is really a fascinating halacha that the kids aren't chayev and technically speaking, the parents aren't chayev. It's not mom and Yes? I, I, I'm missing something. It's if my cow walks
1: into a shop and it
0: knocks over... yeah, bull in a china shop. You're chayev. Mom Mazik. Exactly. So if
1: my 10-year-old goes... Your kids
0: that- aren't your property. You're not chayev. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You that you need, the, you need the structure of our bubbles Zekin. The fact that you had some negligence, abstract negligence, is not enough. Now, and the other thing is, you're slave, easy. so there's there is a basis. And that's a Gemara we learned way at the beginning mm-hmm. that said you were still putter in that case because what? Your slave can go ahead and cause a million dollars of damage and you would be liable? So some understood that that was just to protect you against a vindictive slave. But others explain it means a different point. You, we can never make a different person liable for one person's acts the, the the agent is the primary is the you know we cannot re re the, the the primary person responsible for their acts is the one who is doing it if you can't collect from that person because they're under age or they're a slave or whatever that's your tough luck right sort of like NC Rivera but yeah. fundamentally you cannot assign somebody else's acts you know the act is fundamentally rests with the agent that performs it mm-hmm. um anyway Okay, so thy child that have a, has a privileged position in the world of damages will never pay for damage they do. So, um, I'm sorry. certainly, you should not distinguish. So they have a privileged position. You should certainly say that uh, that they are a, a, a deserve compensation, whether the ox or, you know, whether the, or, or the ox is, a, you know, it's just as weighty when the ox scores, whether the ox is a tom or a Muad. So that's why we, we should be able to learn it out just logically. Do you make a kavachomer from the stringent case to be stripped? Now what does this mean? Not very clear at all, long Rashi. Basically the way Rashi explains it is the following. Kavachomer is, I will say, if this halacha applies in this more lenient case, it should certainly apply in this more weighty case. But here, well you sort of are saying that, if it applies by men and women who are, we're seeing more lenient in the sense that they have a disadvantaged position. It should certainly apply by children who, have a weight, who are advantaged and are maybe a weightier position. But really what we're saying is if this halacha applies by a muad, it should also apply by a tam. So even though we're trying to use a kal to move from muad to tam, we're still moving from a weightier area of halacha to a lighter area of halacha. So the gemara is saying you can't really do that. Yes, I understand you made an analogy to men and women, you made have a home here with men and women but at the end of the day you're moving from a muah to a tam and you're not allowed to move from the weighty case to the lighter case so the Gemara says Ella, so rather we'll say the following and here's another change like you could read this as one challenge or two challenges we'll read this as a second challenge and secondly maybe we're weightier by men and women you said men and women are lighter because they have a, a disadvantaged position that might be true but let's face it adult men and women generally are given more weight in halacha than children they're obligated in mitzvot so obviously they would be treated more weight Tom of Ben Abaship, Tom the mitzvot. So therefore, even though you learned out Ben Yigachu va Yigach to say you're the, the when the ox kills the minor, you apply the same halachot. We would not know to apply that to to a Tom. That's by a Muad. How do you know to apply it to a Tom? Tom Omar, Lomar Oven Yigachu va Yigach. Negicha b'Tom, Negicha b'Muad, Negicha le Misa, Negicha le Nizikin. So it says a lot of the times the word Negicha. It could have said Oven Ova Yigach. Why does it say Oven Yigach Ova Yigach? The extra times it says. To gore is to tell you don't distinguish. I, I, don't I don't know what to tell you. Ben-A-R-Vay. I don't know yeah. what to say. You could have said, o o yigach. Okay, so the fact that it says the word yigach twice tells you don't distinguish between the types of gorings. Since we made the point that it's true when it's a mu'ad, it would also be true when it's a tam. If it's true by killing, it would be true by inflicting injury. Okay, it does not matter in any halachot whether the, 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 the injured party, whether the victim is. As a minor or an, as an adult, or a minor, same halacha. Muad misa Very good. We are now done with discussing those psukim, and we get back to that was like a whole thing, basically the drasha of these psukim, and now we're going to go back to more general halacha. Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I articulated my earlier question as well because I'm going back to a second because if they, and um, then was talking about the Maholim and and he just said, oh, one of them held the Kufa Kapara. I mean, everyone else is really holding it's a, it's not right, but then the dumb position is to shift it is. No,
0: the Gemara's basic assumption is Kufra Kapara. It's willing to entertain the possibility that somebody could hold something else in order to explain a difficult position, to explore a position, but its default assumption is Kufra Kapara. Okay, so the it says like this. Sure, new Mishnah. So we had this whole discussion of coupling Kapara with skila. Now, we when the Shur is Kavana, now we're actually going to start to look at the Shur Shalobah Kavana case, which we've now well established you don't st- uh, stone the ox. And the only question is, do you pay co-fair? So let's take a look. An ox was rubbing against the wall, scratching itself against the wall. It's like the joke, what right? You like, mean? you know, like, what, you know, you know, what time is it when, you, when an elephant sits on a fence? Time to buy a new fence, right? So what time is it when your ox scores against the wall? Time to stone the ox. Okay? Your ox is, is scratching against the wall. And, you know, it's an ox against the wall. So the wall falls on somebody and kills them. Okay, so completely incidental. Or, and let's say it was more intentional. the name of LaRogazabim, LaRogazabim was trying to kill, but it was trying to kill an animal. And it killed a person. Or, Liknani, Vahag Ben Yisrael. Now, I've already warned you about this word, Knani. It was trying to kill a Canaanite, and it killed a Jew. I'll go back to that in a minute. Little Vahag Ben Or, trying to kill a, 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 a fetus. Or a child, let's say, that was within the first 30 days and was not yet, had, was not yet sort of had a, you know, could be established yet as viable. Is so, it
1: um,
0: It could mean, yeah, but it's here clearly, I mean, it doesn't mean it's going, here probably means a, a born infant that has not yet established its viability. The Hari Ben Kayaman had established a child that's already viable. Pater, in all those cases, it is exempt from skila. Well, clearly the clear emphasis here is skila. Remember, the Shorah Itzadin we said was pater in skila. The emphasis was skila. Right? And so, now, the reason for all of this is, misas Abal and Kach misas are sure. None of these cases would be executed in court if, um, if, if, as an act of murder. Would not have the death penalty. Okay? Certainly not incidental. Certainly not trying to, ki- trying to kill something other than a human and accidentally killing a human. That might be manslaughter, but it would not be murder. Okay? Trying to kill a not viable fetus would not be only if trying right, or if killing a trench to kill a trefa you know and would not be it would only only is murder if you try to kill a viable non trefa you know person. Of course, the most problematic here is the killing of a non Jew. The original text, of course, was not Nachri, but it was Goy, but it was changed to Nachri. I mean, not, it wasn't Kanani; it was Goy. But obviously, that's very you know uh, um, uh, challenging, you know, and uncomfortable, especially if non-Jews are, I mean, it's uncomfortable, it's deeply, deeply ca- sound uncomfortable morally and ethically, but in the Middle Ages it was particularly dangerous if, if non-Jews might have read it, so it was changed to Kanani, and if that weren't enough, if you look, there's an asterisk, and the asterisk at the bottom also tries to tone it down a bit, and says, "The mm-hmm. because they, meaning non-Jews, or Can- Canaanites, if we want to go with that, whatever, anyway, would exempt if you tried to, to kill one person and killed another person. So therefore, here too the ox is exempt if it tried to kill one person and killed another of course that's not what the Mishnah says right the Mishnah doesn't say if it tried to kill Ruven and killed Shimon it's exempt what's the story about that somebody tried to murder Ruvain and murdered Shimon, is that considered an act of murder? So that's a debate of Tanayim. This Mishnah assumes that that would be an act of murder, and you would kill, you would execute a person, and therefore you'd execute the ox. The only case that's exempt is if the act was trying to be done, the act that was intended was not an act that would have been liable for the death penalty, okay? And inc- included in this is the act of killing a non-Jew. So the photo tries to say, well, it's not that non-Jews are less important, it's just where are their law and their law would have been if you tried to kill Reuben and killed Shimon, you'd be exempt. So when they're the ones that killed, we apply that are killed, we apply their law. Anyway, all of this is to soften a very harsh Gemara. I should say though the way, and this is really important. Okay, fine. You don't execute a. Uh, um, in the case when a non-Jew is murdered. Um, what does that mean that you are still transgressed like Lechertzach? Well, is it just some exemption of the particular capital punishment? Which, okay, would not, you would still not be, be it could be fully satisfactory. I mean, the puzzle says, Shopech dam adam ba adam damoyi which is pretty universal, and talks about executing the one who commits murder, and doesn't distinguish, it's adam ba adam damoyi shopech, so even to distinguish in the court-imposed punishment would be not, you know, satisfied, would, you know, would still be discomforting, um, and Trump you know deeply troubling, but it would at least saying you know, it 's not the same as saying that we don 't consider it to be an act of murder um, so actually there are some Tanaitic sources and actually the Sefer Chinuch and others that say very explicitly that it is the biblical act of murder. It's just an exemption from court imposed execution but what is uh, troubling is Rambam. Rambam says um, that um, um, the, the, the Rambam is basically if I read you the text well, your
1: tach doesn't apply, well
0: yeah the language of the Rambam is um, uh, first Perak Aleph Halacha Aleph Kohorig nefesh. Now, here's a question about again what's printed and what the manuscript says. The manuscript says nefesh over below tasse The printed version says. Koho hoi ben adam over blotaseh shenemar lot okay so anyway that is obviously that is very now you have to understand these took place in a context in which of course you know the non-Jews were you know oppressive and murderous and whatever you know that's how how they were perceived by the rabbis but anyway but uh, it's, it's still very different saying that they don't get that doesn't have the same court imposed punishment to say that it's not seen as you know fundamentally as murder yes can
1: you also infer to abortion because it's harav nefan your so it's
0: considered. Yeah, well, that that we know clearly, yes, and so clearly would include a case of they gore a woman, and you know we actually discussed that before about a sure, you know, doesn't even pay the out and so but, on. you yeah, no, are yeah. meaning for person,
1: then does it? yes, do yes, yes, and that,
0: that is true. Yes, and we know that elsewhere. Yes. Is it an
1: opinion that if somebody killed the wrong person, they would still be?
0: That's what this mission sounds like. The only distinction it makes is between when the intended victim was not something that you would be executed for, was not a person that you'd be executed for. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was an animal, it was a fetus, it was a noncho. If the intended victim was somebody you would be executed for, if you tried to kill Reuven and you killed Shimon, right, then the impl- implication is that the shore would get skewer and that a person would get executed. And that is definitely the standard... There's a, there's a debate, but that's the standard position. But
1: doesn't, doesn't there need to be a witness
0: who warns the person. Yeah, I see you're, I see, I you. I see you're trying to yeah. kill Ruvane, and I say, I see you're about to commit murder. Don't commit murder. You're, you, you know, it's a capital offense. And you, say, and you say, I don't care, whatever. You go ahead and you do it, and it turns out that you killed the wrong person. You, you know, you've still been warned that you were about to do an act of murder. Okay, let's take a look at the Gemara. Amar Shmuel. If he just
1: said, don't kill so-and-so.
0: Um, that's an interesting question. Like, can overspecificity in the warning exempt you? And there is some discussion about that. I'm not sure. You know, uh, um, whatever. Yeah, so. Um, Amashmuel. Fine. In all these cases, you're exempt from stoning, but you still pay kofer. Like we just got through saying, according to Ep Yochanan, according to a whole series, that you pay kofer even though you don't stone the ox. The You're exempt from both. Rob adopts the position that kofer is linked to ski So, we never get out of this discussion, is kofar linked to Skelah or not? Okay, so that's how they're debating here. Clearly the mission means you're exempt from Skelah. Do we also assume you're exempt from cofair? So now the question says like this. Yeah, my, even if you say that cofair is not linked to SKELA, what is your case, Shmuel, that you're paying cofair? What type of an animal pays cofair? Under what circumstances do you pay go fare? if the animal is a muad okay so what is the case that you've got an animal that's a muad okay in this case about rubbing up against a wall Okay? So the Gemara says, Am I? Okay, according to Shmuel, I get that cofair doesn't go with stoning. Where's your scenario of cofair? Hatamu! Presumably, it's rubbing against the wall and the wall collapsed on somebody. It's a dumb. So says, Rab, but more people out in the out and It's like Rav will later say that an ox was leaning over, and there's a case about an ox falling on a well and killing a person, and that you pay cofair. And the question was, where is the, um where is, how, did, how is it a muad? So, Rob said, well, it has a habit of leaning over into wells and trying to eat the vegetation off the side of the walls of the wells and being a clutch and slipping and falling on people. So, it actually became a muad for doing that. So, hachanami, here too, b'muad it, It's a muad to rub up against walls and to kill people in the process. Okay, and you warned the owner three times that your animal has this propensity of scratching itself against walls and, uh, you know, Gets carried away and doesn't know what it's doing. Now, by the way, Tosfos says that we do not mean what I just said. We do not mean that it did it three times and the owner was like warned three times about that because Tosfos would actually because because Tosfos says you don't need that if it's basically just rubbing up against a wall. What type of an act do we call that normally? Yeah, yeah. But what would you call that? Karen Shane or Rego? Shane. Shane. It's trying to get benefit. Okay. Right. Is a shame. Tom or Muad. A is a muad. So Tosos says, what the Gemara really means is, although it's, a, it's not, a, it's a hard read in the Gemara. Since it is not doing an intentional act of nezek, it doesn't need to go through the process of being warned three times. Oh,
1: Tom and nezek, Tom right. and muad are only Karenish. Right.
0: Just. Since this is doing an act of getting benefit, this is shame, and shame is a muah to begin with. It doesn't sound like that's what the Gemara is saying, but that's what Tosa says the Gemara is saying, okay? So let's take a look. Well, it's a good good logic. I don't know if it's a good read of the Gemara. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, uh, Okay, one minute. Uh, Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Ihachi says the Gemara, bark talahu. So if that's true, um, then it's, uh, wait a minute, it should be stoned, well, of course, oh, right, why does it not get stoned? If, it's, if Gemara assumes that if it's doing it three times, if it's uh, even either worn three times, or if it's doing it not so, but it knows what it's doing, maybe even if it's not trying to murder, but as long as it knows what it's doing, right, because, you know, here's the point, okay, the point is like this, is that you could say an animal has a propensity to rub up against walls and knock the walls down. But that doesn't make it a muah to kill people in that process. Even if for three times people had to be were next to the wall, that was circumstance. That wasn't the nature of the animal to kill people by standing against the wall. So in order to make that the nature of the animal not just to knock down walls, but its nature is to kill people in the process, presumably it had to know that people were there. And you're saying the animal has a propensity of rubbing up against walls when people are around and making it fall on people. Okay? That would be your case of making it a mu'ad. Okay, but if that's true, then essentially it knows what it's doing. And it's trying to kill the people. And that should make it uh, get stoning. So the verse says, um, so if it knows what it's doing, then it should be uh, it should get stoned. In the case of going Falling on people in the pit, you could say it knows that there are people there, but it's too interested in getting in eating the vegetation on the wall of the pit, so it could sort of be a mua to do it when people are in the pit and uh, disregard people in the pit but not try to kill the people, so therefore it doesn't get if that's so it's straining or whatever, and therefore it wouldn't get stoned okay elahaha, but here that you're saying it doesn't get stoned but it's going to pay but it's going to pay Kofar it's a muad ha ha michael amar so here. If it's rubbing against the wall and it sees people there, we should presume, and it's, and it's killing people in the process, we should presume that means that it's trying to kill people. So it should get skill up. And if, uh, so the says, no. No, no, no. It's not rubbing up against the wall for the sake of knocking it down. If that were true and it knew people were there, if we're just trying to knock it down, you're right. That would be Karen. And then you'd be getting, stu- and you'd stone it. But here, um, it's rubbing up against the wall to scratch its back. I sort of said that initially, to scratch its back. And therefore, the people are being killed. It's only incidental. Okay? So the Gemara says, How do you know that it's not trying to kill the people because again we're presuming it knows the people are there because even after it fell down it kept on r- scratching itself against the wall so clearly its goal wasn't to kill the people, you could clearly tell what it was doing was it was trying to scratch its back, which makes sense, so basically what the Gemara is saying is like this, I'm bracketing Tosas, Tosas does not shout at the Gemara it does say this whole thing is just chain and regular and therefore automatically it's muad the Gemara sounds like you have to have proved it's habitual so the Gemara says one minute to prove it's habitual not just to scratch against the wall or to fall into pits to prove that it's a cluster that has scratches on its itches on its back but to prove that it's habitual to kill people in the process you have to prove that it does this thing even when it knows that people are around well doesn't that make it Um, doesn't that make it like a Karen like it's trying to kill the people and the could say no, it could make it gross negligence but it doesn't make it Karen it goes for the vegetation even when people are in the pit, but it's still not trying to kill the person, it scratches up against the wall even if somebody is right by the wall, but it's not trying to kill the person, it's just trying to scratch against the wall, so therefore you don't stone it but it is a muad because it has proven that it is it, 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 it does these acts regardless of people's presence and it does these acts in a habitual way that causes the pe- death of people and even when knowing when people are around. Okay, so therefore, you would pay the Kofar if it did it three times, but you would not stone the animal. And again, according to Tostos you don't even need three times. Tos says the basic answer of the Gemara is that this is just a case of shane, and therefore it's automatically a Mu'ad. Okay? Navkamina of all this, by the way, would be Rishasarabim. As soon as you say that this is a shane, then presumably you're only going to be paying Kofar in Rishasarabim. If you say that it don't emphasize the Shane aspect of this okay then that wouldn't matter okay now the Gemara continues Vakati talking about Shane Vakati I don't get it sense the Gemara it knocks down the wall and the stones go and crush somebody that's not the direct body of the animal itself when have you ever had a case of kofar where, where it's done by like an animal kicks a rock and, kill, and, and kills somebody okay it's normally directly gored by the animal that's only so,
1: because up until now we've considered the act as an act of character. Right. Act.
0: So now that's a good that point. There's a huge difference between throwers shiloh b'kavanna and throwers b'kavanna. Right? If I, if the animal, let's say, what would you think the halacha would be? Let's say the animal was smart, right? Because it's not limited to ox. Let's say it's an ape. Okay? Or whatever. You get my ape really angry. And my ape takes stones and throws it at somebody and tries to kill them and succeeds in killing them. Or an ox, I don't know, kicks a big stone, you know, and whatever, kicks, pushes down a wall intentionally, to kill somebody by putting me on a wall. Do you think it should take co- It would get skila and pay kofar. I would assume yes. Okay, because that's actually consciously using it. It's kocho kagufo. Un- unintended kocho, incidental kocho is much less kagufos than intended kocho. So I don't know. Maybe in that case, it would pay. Okay, although Rashi says no, the Gemara's assumption is that you only pay with the body of the animal. But who knows? If it was an intended koach, maybe you would. But Throros is an unintended koach, an incidental koach. So therefore, when I accidentally, when I rub a wall and it, it goes and it rolls, you cannot call what happened. You say, I could cause what happened, but you can't say that I did what happened. That's the whole point of Shroros. Unintended kocho is much less kigufa. Okay, so where where do you ever see that you would do skila and cofare in a case of tsrores? So Amar of Murray braidra of Kahana to Ka'azo mine mine. It keeps on rubbing against the stone as the stone is rolling go down. And basically, the idea of the way the way uh, one of the unfortunately explained it is basically it's like the stone is on top of the person and it is still rubbing against the stone. So it still is directly you know putting the pressure of its body. It's like it's like the it's like holding a stick and hitting somebody. That's not kocho. When it is directly in contact with the body, the body is pushing the stone, is directly on top of the stone, which is on top of the person, and pushing down on him, that's seen as gufo, that's not seen as kocho, okay? So that's like directly holding on to an object. All right, so now the look says like this. Tiny Shmuel, to We talked like Shmuel as a challenge on Rob and this again goes back to this whole point, can you have kofer without skila? And Shmuel says yes, and that's been the assumption until now Shloshim of is different but the assumption is Kofar without skila. yes and we have a breitah like this which is a challenge to Rav Yeish Chayi of the Misa Ube Kofar some are with, some cases the animal gets stoned and pays Kofar Yeish Chayi of the misa, some times you pay Kofar and you don't get stoned Yeish Chayi of the Misa, sometimes you get stoned and don't pay Kofar sometimes, sometimes you don't do either okay, very nice little breitah HaKetzad, how does this work out? muad kavana. if it's a muad and an intentionally gourd chay misa ube kofer that's the easy case yet mis and stona nepe kofer muad shalom bikavana, it's a muad so it's habitual, but it's like this case. It's not habitual to do it intentionally. It tries to kill a and kills an adam or whatever it is. Okay. So in that case, chayvik because it's habitual, you pay kofar. but you don't stone it because it's not like an act of murder. It wasn't intentional. Okay. Tam bikhavana. Now, if it was the first time, first three times, even if it was an intentional act, me the kofar. Then you get stoned It gets stoned but it doesn't pay kofar. Kofar is only by a muad. Tom Shiloh the Kavana and the first time and it was un, not an intentional act part of the, museum, the museum, you're exempt from both it's a very nice little right, distilled breita of basically telling you by Nisa what matters is Kavana and by Kofar what matters is Muad um, and uh, you can mix and match them and have all four possibilities right? no 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 no, no. we're not doing the throw us. we're moving on we've moved on okay so basically you've got the idea of for Misa what matters is Kavana Kavana and no Kavana and by by Kofer what matters is um, Muad right Muad versus Tom so you have all four possibilities if it's Muad the Kavana it's Misa and Kofer. Okay. if it's Tam and kavana, so because it's Tam it's going to be no Kofir Kofir no Kofir right Nisa no Nisa right so if it's going to be Tam it's going to be no Kofir and yes Nisa right if it's going to be no Kavana and Muad right then it's going to be no Misa, and yes Kofar, I mean you can do the rest, okay? Anyway, basically it's just saying, by Kofar what matters is Tom and Muad, by Nisa what matters is kavana and no kavana. fill out your chart. And you have all four possibilities. Anyway, what does this show you? This shows you, at least going to this break, uh, clearly decides one side of the debate that's been with us now for three days. Well, there two days at least, which is that Kofar and Nisa are not linked. That you can pay kofar without paying misa without doing misa if it's shelo be and it's a muad you pay kofar even though there's no misa. Okay, very good. Now the gemara continues. Um, okay. So an and Kavana. Now the brighter continues. What about if it does damage Shaloba Kavana? Now you would tell me, damage Shiloba Kavana, wait a minute, we have a word for that. It's called Shane and Regil. Yeah. Okay? So what this means is not that. What this means is is our mission's case of Shaloba Kavana. It tried to gore a animal and not to kill it, to injure it and it gored a human being and it injured it. Or tried to kill one animal, animal and ca- injured one animal and injured another. Okay? Would you in that case pay damages? So, of course, the intuition is, of course, yes. But then he ask you, what are you paying damages for? For what type of a category? Is it Shane and Rangel? No. Is it Karen? Well, it is Kavanat or but it wasn't Mechad and Lahazik the thing that it was Mazik. So, obviously, intuitively, we would say, why should that matter? Okay? But nevertheless, that's a case that we haven't dealt with yet. A case where is it's Having Lahazik? But it was mazik, not the thing that it intended to. Are you going to pay? So let's take a look. Okay? okay. Yes. We know that you're pato and misa in that case. Okay? And you're in and kofar. So should nezek be in the misa category or in the kofar category? I would, of course, say it should be in the Kofer category, right? Misa is the very narrow category that makes it like an act of ritzicha. Okay. Everything else focuses on the fact that there was a lost life. There was a person injured. So, of course, you should be paying. Who cares that it injured the thing that it was it's something else that it was trying to injure? Let's take a look. Okay? Thank <sighs> Reb Yehuda says you're chayiv. Reb Shimon says you're exempt. My time is Reb Yehuda. Yaliv mikovfer. Mikovfer. He says just like kovfer. My kovfer shelo be kavana chayiv. After nizikin, now he shelo be kavana chayiv. The same way kovfer you're even though it gored the wrong thing, by nizikin also. Reb Shimon yaliv mikatlei d'chore. He learns it out from stoning the ox. My katlei shelo be kavana poter. The same way you don't stone it if it killed a different, a different thing. After nizikin shelo be poter. Even by nizikin you wouldn't kill it. You would you you wouldn't make it pay. Why doesn't he learn out from the stoning? If you don't stone it, you shouldn't pay for damages. No. No, you learn it out from an issue of payment. The question of payment of the Kofar is the better model for payment of damages. Okay? Misa is a very small category. It tries to make it into an act of Ritzicha nami mikofaro why doesn't you learn that from Kofar? No, dishur mi dishur No, you look out of the, you focus on things that you focus on that it's the responsibility of the ox now not, the ox isn't responsible it's not a somebody that's like you bring to base in but it means that you focus on the fact look at what the ox did kofor as opposed to Kofar which is the obligation of the owner now what does it mean to what degree is Kofar the obligation of the owner more than the damages that my ox does <laughs> what <laughs> well okay it could be so Rashi says what it really means is <laughs> is that it's Kofar's Kapara okay and since Kofar's Kapara <laughs> what
1: <laughs> <laughs> well
0: it's the nefesh of the mazik it might be paid with the domain either, but it's the nefesh of the mazik so what Rashi basically says is you can't learn out from Kofar that's a Kapara, so therefore that might be a broader category. Whereas other types of things are not about Kapara, like if somebody died, that's, and that's on your conscience, so you're going to pay in a broader case, range of situations. But for damages, maybe that'll be narrower. That seems to be what Rashi is saying. Uh, the Gemara's language points a little bit in a different place, which seems to be saying, like, if an ox scores, I basically say, like, okay, this ox did damage, somebody's going to have to pay who's the owner of the ox let's get him to pay okay so I focus on the fact that the ox did the act and now I just have to find the owner because he's going to be after the person who I'm going to now get to pay if an ox kills somebody I don't say oh this ox killed somebody who's the person that's high of Nisa right basically what I say is Ruving's ox killed somebody Ruben is liable for that person's death like you don't start by thinking about the fact of there's like a, a, a guilt of death on the ox Ox, where's the person we're going to assign it to? I think it's a, maybe it's similar to what Rashi is saying, but it seems to me when we're talking about guilt and death, we directly ask who's the person responsible. When we're talking about damages, we sort of say, "Well, the ox damaged. These, somebody's got to pay. Let's go find the owner." Anyway, the bottom line is that's what the Gemara says. But obviously, the logic is: of course, you should be paying. If you pay by Shane and Regal and Karen, of course, you should be paying by Karen when it tries to gore one thing and it gores another thing, and that's have Rambam rules. Okay, so Keren shelo or not, you know, being for a different thing is still going to pay. Now the Gemara continues. Niskad the patur. Okay, so thankfully the Gemara skips over for a moment. It'll get back to it. The case of the non-Jew. Anyway, try to kill Beheim and kill the person. You're potter. The Gemara makes the obvious inference from the Mishnah. If the Mishnah sounds like try to kill Ruven and killed you would stone the ox and presumably you would execute a person. That would be an act of murder. Not it's not like Reb Shimon. it's not like Reb Shimon, I That even by a case of a human being, I mean with the assumption here is human, and the ox is the same. try to kill Reuven and kill Shimon, you're potter. And the rabbis disagree. They say if you try to kill Reuven and kill Shimon, you're chayav. My time is Reb Shimon. What's the reason? That makra hashur yisakel v'gam be'alav yumat. Sure. now nobody disagrees with that that basically everybody agrees with that the same circumstances in which you would kill the owner, you kill the ox this is Reb Shimon, th- Reb Shimon though says I hold by murder that, that you're only chayv if you intend for the particular victim and since I hold that by murder I hold it by a goring ox and where does Reb Shimon know this? That the that the in the case of murder, you have to intend for the particular victim. He laid in wait for him and rose up against him. low Until he actually had intention for that person, he intended and planned against, plotted against that person. Now the rabbis, everybody agrees, the same thing for the ox for the human is for the ox. The rabbis just say for murder, it it doesn't matter if you intended for of my So what do they do with that verse of laying in wait? Which sounds like you have a particular victim. It has to be specific to be Reb I Prat Lezirk Evan Legav No, no, you're right It means If you just threw a stone Into a group of people And had nobody particular in mind In that case You'd be exempt If you tried to kill Reuben And killed Shimon You're chayev And therefore the axe Is also chayev Okay But if you tried to kill uh, Throw it in a group And you, didn't, you wanted to kill somebody But it didn't matter who You'd be exempt Now what difference does it make? Reuben, Shimon A group You're still trying to kill someone What difference does it make? So let's see what the Gemara says Hey dummy What's the case? You're exempt Okay, again, it's not kananim, Okay, if there are nine Canaanites, non-Jews, okay, the Echad Yisrael by and one Jew among them. So therefore you're exempt, because we can't say you were trying to kill a Jew, because the majority were non-Jews. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara says, You don't need a pasuk. Obviously we would define your act based on the majority of that group. And we couldn't characterize your act as trying to kill a Jew i nami bhagophalga suffering with even if it was half Jews and half non-Jews we wouldn't be able to characterize it as an act of intending to kill a Jew so you wouldn't need a Pasuk the majority are Jews so without a Pasuk we would say you threw a stone in a group of people the majority of whom were Jews we will define that you didn't care who you killed but we will define it as an act of intending to kill a Jew we'll define it by the majority and therefore if lo and behold you did kill a Jew then you'll be executed for it, that's what we would have said and comes along the Pesach and teaches you the Avogav knani Yisraeli as long as there's one non-Jew among them he's fixed in his place this is this crazy principle that any time that there's a doubt but the question of doubt is sort of in a fixed place you treat it as 50-50, this actually is the source of that halacha, since the Pesach is telling you, if he threw the stone in the group and it wound up killing a Jew and the majority were Jews, since there was one non Jew there, we can't characterize it as an act of intending to kill a Jew. Uh, we characterize it as it was a doubtful, an act of questionable intent. Like he didn't have a specific intent in mind. He said, I'll just, I don't care who I kill. But, so we have to characterize it by the circumstances. So by the circumstances, though, we view it as though it's equally weighted, and we cannot I'd characterize it as an act of trying to kill a Jew, and therefore, studying the Vashis we will not execute him. So that's what they learn. In that case, where it's not clear who the intended victim was, Jew or non Jew, but if you tried to kill Reuben and killed Shimon, they say you would be chayav. Okay, so that debate is Rabban and Rebbe Shimon by are you hive if you tried to kill Reuben and killed Shimon? And therefore, same with the debate by murder, it's a debate by the scoring ox. In the process, we repeated this whole very difficult gemara that treats the murder of a non-Jew different than the murder of a Jew. Yes.
1: So, so the between
0: Bithel Baroe and Kavula is that we you know that there's are non-Jew. Uh, yeah, somewhere? yeah. You never say Bithel Baroe. Right
1: nine versus one right,
0: you know there 's a non jew correct if it was just you was a group of people and you didn 't know who they were but the but the population the demographics were that it was a a town that was ninety nine percent jewish that would be that would not be Kabua. Right. okay so here's you... actually,
1: this is... exactly
0: exactly yes
1: you know, don 't you think that the uh, the uh, application or the generating of this principle of uh, we call it kavua. sort of levels or equalizes the life of the Jew and the life of the
0: non-Jew.
1: Uh, that serves that. It serves that hermeneutic function, as bizarre as it might be.
0: It's interesting. I mean, you
1: know what I'm saying. It
0: still doesn't help for the case of when the non-Jew was killed. It still says because it was a non-Jew here, the act was was less weighty. But I hear the point that in the process, you're sort of treating process, them. It's yeah, a, it's an it's an interest. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. That's an inter- I hear that. That is an interesting thought. Yes?
1: Is there some parallel here to the question of
0: yeah I mean those questions are related questions absolutely I'll, yeah but here again we're talking about whether it's a capital crime okay. by the way I don't know in secular law clearly if in secular law you tried to kill Reuben you killed Shimon you're going to be sent away for murder but in states which have the death penalty right which so that's what we're dealing here with not whether is it murder but is it a death penalty yes. in states which have the death penalty right okay. normally there needs to be you know malice afore, aforethought and there needs to be whatever you it needs to be like a plan of the murder there needs to be like a high level for for capital to execute for capital punishment. What would be if somebody really was planning to kill ra Rain and accidentally killed the wrong person? would that be a case of uh would they would they execute somebody for that said there was a TV show like that, right?
1: really if somebody was with- he was trying to kill his wife. and yeah. Somebody came down outside the building, and he killed that person. Uh-huh. The huh. Person was trying to commit suicide. I see. And he <laughs> but I don't. We can. All
0: right. All right. That. Anyways, I don't know what the secular law would be, because here again, we're not asking whether it's murder. We're asking whether you would get the death penalty.
1: That's the same point about whether shop applies
0: to non-jip. No, no, no. Meaning, if we assume that it does apply, and the question is one of death penalty, right. it's an interesting question. He's Kavin Lahara Getzah. Lahara Getzah. Is that worthy of the death penalty or not? Okay. Let's take a look. Let's try. I know we only have a minute, but we can do the next one quickly. I'd like to. Be at the bottom of the gav, v'shurah isha, v'shurah yitomi, v'shurah apitropis, v'shurah midbar, v'shurah hektish, v'shurah ger shemei, v'ain lo yorshim, arei misa. It was owned by a woman, or by orphans, minors, or by the apitropis who was, you know, uh, overseeing the estate of the minors, or it was ownerless. Shura is a wild ox. Or it was uh, owned by the of Mikdash, Or it was owned by a, a convert who died, and therefore now it's ownerless, and who has no heirs. All these cases are Ptirmina uh, I'm sorry. All these cases are Chayim misa. It's still committed murder. You still stone the ox. doesn't matter who the owner is. Um Yehud Omer, no. Shura Midbar, Shura Hector, Shura, Those three cases, when it's ownerless, um, or owned by the base of Mikdash, it's exempt. With fisha lam balam, it does not have owners. Where the base of Mikdash, it doesn't have a normal lay owner. Does, okay? So, those cases of ownerless are owned by the base of Mikdash, you'd say, actually, you would not stone the ox. Tanu Sure, sure, Shiva. It says sure seven times in the parsha. Ki gach sure ish, you know. Uh, Onu gach he sure nagachu. Sure, sure, sure. It says sure seven times. Six of them are extra. So what are the six extra? Lavi sure, ish sure. You tell me. Sure, you drop us. Sure, midbar sure, hektish sure, Those are six. Okay. If you don't measure midbar sure hektish sure yershim, madevein layorshim. No, those last three are exempt. If you should aim them by them, you need to have an owner to get stoned, which is interesting, right? Partly maybe the question is, how much do you view it as the ox committed murder and we're going to stone the ox? How much do you view it as so the owner sort of committed murder through the ox and we're going to stone the ox. Now, of course, the fact that you do it the first three times when it's a tam and the Torah says seems to be saying we're not focusing on the owner, we're focusing on the ox. So you certainly understand the position of the Tanakama. Amarav <laughs> Huna. Hota Hayy Rebbe Huda Afilu nagach Rebbe Huda would exempt even if it started with an owner when it killed somebody and then he donated it to the base of mikdash or he was it. Then also you wouldn't stone it. Okay? Which is, by the way, good idea. If your ox scores and kills somebody, you're going to lose the ox anyway. Might as well make a donation to the base on And get a tax okay. tarti. Yeah. Since the mission teaches you two cases. Sure, ha'midbar, midbar, a wild ox. Sure, a gear shamek, meaning loyoshim, or owned by a gear who has no who heirs. Shar Girsh you, what the how's that case different? To keep him to Ainlo Yorshim since he has no heirs, how you leave care. It's ownerless. Hainu that's a wild ox. Why does the Mishnah have to give two cases? If a wild ox is the same as a ger who dies. So Hainu Girsh maybeoshim I love Hakamashmal and it's teaching you the Filu that's telling you the reason to give the additional case of a ger that died is to tell you if it gored and kill while the gear was alive and then the gear died then you also don't stone it according to Reb Yehuda that's why it's different than a wild ox a wild ox was never owned or even the case where it was owned and then the gear died if right now it's not it's not owned it's not owned when it comes to be judged in based in then you're going to get off according to the ox will get off according to Reb Yehuda Tanya Nami Haki, we talked similarly Yes or Kane Amaref you do feel nagosof hikthi even if first you killed them then you sanctified then you are more potter you warn and then it kills to it has to kill and you have to then stand in court and all that has to be in the same scenario of being owned by an, an owner. So the Gemar says, Gemar Dien What do you mean? Why do you say standing in the court case? For it to have its status of a this Niskel, you need to finish the court case. So, V'Hashor Yisakel, when it says, H'ashor Yisakel, that's Gemar who? That's when the judgment was passed. El fine. Misa, right, it says, He Shor Isha, so the I to Echad. Mean, it all has to be at one. Now, what we did not spell out, which I need to just take one second before we end, is where is this idea of owner mattering? Because it does say the whole parsha is Kigal Shorish V'right v'uad bivalav presumes it has owners, right? So even though logically what the rabbi is saying is it doesn't matter if there are owners. It doesn't matter if the owner is a woman. You don't interpret the word Shorish that it's only a man's ox. Or it doesn't matter if the owner is an adult or not. It doesn't matter even if it has no owners. Yes, the Torah is talking about owners, but logically it doesn't matter. You stone the ox regardless. Whereas Rabbi Huda says, I'm sorry. The Parsha says, v'uad bivalav. So the Parsha is talking about owners. And if there are no owners, you're not going to stone the ox. And even if there are no owners at the end of the process, you're not going to stone the ox, because it's all read as one process, and you need to have owners throughout. So that's Rebudo's position, but the rabbis, of course, makes a lot more sense. Okay, we will continue to...